I'll just share for a few minutes just on the Word of God. I probably won't finish what I want to set out to do, but it doesn't matter. You can uh, look it up for yourself, or you can, uh, <laughs> we can do a bit next week, week after. I want you to open your Bible where we were last week, Revelation, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. There was an interesting thing that we faced when I was talking about this just a little while ago. We had money in hand that we wanted to give to the people in Uganda for uh, orphan care, but we couldn't give it to them because the problem was they weren't positioned to receive it. And I felt such an overwhelming frustration that here we wanted, we had resources to be able to give them, and we couldn't give them because we weren't sure how they were going to use it. And rather than just squander it and, and, and do well now and then find it's all lost by the space of a year, uh, we felt we should just hold back on what we were doing until Andy had gone over and we could set some processes in place. And it began to occur to me that it wasn't just the people in Uganda that were having God hold out on them, it's also us as well. It never occurred to you that God withholds from us until we are ready to be able to receive and take what he has. It's not that God is a withholder, not at all, but God actually entrusts to us when he sees what we're doing. So Andy, when he went there, said, well, we looked to see what you did with what we gave you last year. And he had some direct comments to make, how they looked after or didn't look after the building, how they looked after or didn't look after the resource. He went straight to the core of it, hit them straight on and said, if you won't look after that, why would we give you this? That was good talk, wasn't it, eh? That's a banker talking, of course. I like that. It's good straight banking talk. <laughs> but, uh, and then uh, more and more I began to think, well, God, you have so much more you want us to come into, but we actually have to make choices to position ourselves to receive. So I'll give you the first of a two-part message on this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We shared some aspects on what that meant last week. You've only got one life to live, and what you do will count for eternity. You have one life to live. This is it. So you've got to do something with your life that will count and think that every day I have on this earth is a day I can do some things that will have eternal consequences. may not look like it while you're doing what you do. may not seem important, but it will, in terms of your life's destiny, have eternal consequences what you're doing day by day. That's why we stir you up constantly to keep you in a place of passion for God, expectancy for God to move, and availability for God to work through you. We have to live our life like that. You don't want to walk out and have your life count for nothing because you lost sight of everything. And it tells us here, present your bodies. Your body is what you live in. In other words, God saying, make all of you available for him to work through. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That word service there is an act of public service or an act of public worship. It's not something done privately. It's what you do publicly. So what God is saying is it's logical and reasonable in the light of all he's done for us that we would make ourselves available to have an impact publicly. It's perfectly reasonable if God has done so much for every one of us that he would expect we would make ourselves available that we could be a channel of his blessing and do something in the community that would impact lives. And he calls that reasonable service or your reasonable worship. We limit worship to coming here and lifting our hands and praising the Lord. But when you present your body to the Lord and make yourself available, everything you do is an act of worship to him. 
Because when you go to work, you find something happens at work. You find people at work, the way they approach their work, if the boss is looking at them, they work hard, they speak right, they say the right things, they do the right things, boss goes and his back's turned, there's something else. You know why? Because they're people pleasers. But for a Christian, it's different. We are a God pleaser. And we have presented our body, a living sacrifice, that we might serve God, and that's reasonable to do that. So when you and I work, we're not working hard when the boss is here and then slacking off when he's not here because our boss is watching all the time. And so a Christian is motivated totally different in the workplace because what he's doing is an act of worship. He's not doing it for the money. If you're doing it for the money, excuse me, but you're a slave and a servant of money. If you're doing it unto the Lord... The money will come to you at the end. It's a mentality about how we see our life. If you see your life as divided up, church on Sunday, the rest of the week, we're sort of just trying to live the good life and get along with everyone else. You're missing the point. When we go out, we are the servants of the living God, ambassadors of another kingdom, and we go out, and the constant mentality is, God is watching me all the time. What I do, he's weighing up for eternity. Therefore, I will represent him well. I am a kingdom man representing the king and his interests. Most of us divide our life up and we're happy to be saved. But Jesus came more than just to save us. He saved us to raise us up and position us so we could do something with our life. And that doesn't mean all spiritual things. It means every aspect of your life. As you present it to the Lord, it becomes an act of worship. Doing housework can be an act of worship. You see, most people don't see it that way. That's why they're resentful of doing it. Okay? I just made a point just before I came here of going around and doing a good clean out of the toilets. All the time saying, thank you, Lord. It's an act of worship. I'll do it well. You see, because people divide their lives up. All oh, I'm here. I'm doing spiritual stuff. I'm at home. That's not spiritual. Well, you see, if I'm joined to Christ and his life is flowing through me, whatever I put my hand to is sanctified, set apart, whether it's cleaning toilets, doing dishes, cleaning the home, doing my room, doing your finances, working for a living, whatever it is. We're not working for a living. We're living that we might express his life. You see, it's a mentality and an attitude to carry. Then it sanctifies everything you do. See, a lot of people get this thing, well, you know, I just want to be in the ministry. Hello, you are, full time. So you've got to think right on this. So, he said, so present your body, a living sacrifice. Why? So God can express his life. That means when you're working for the Lord and serving the Lord, that whatever you do. So we're doing the dishes, I do it with joy, do it well. Cleaning up the table, do it with joy, do it well. Going out and doing something in a, maybe a lowly job in your workplace, do it to the Lord, do it well. The Bible says, Colossians 3.23, whatsoever you do, whatsoever you do, whatsoever you do. In other words, everything you do, everything you do, everything you do, do it from the heart to the Lord, not with eye service as trying to please people, but from the heart to the Lord, knowing from the Lord we will receive a reward. Sorry to the poor guys up there, I'm going off and using another verse. You haven't got that one, have you? Colossians 3.23. <laughs> We're still on Romans 12.1. 
Okay then, so Romans, present your body. So that's a conscious thing day by day to be available for God to work through me. Why? Because that's his plan. Not just to save me, get me to heaven, but to work through me. We say, well, you don't understand how busy I am. Friend, your work, whatever you put your hand to, is God's business. And how you run it, how you work it, how you live it, the way you treat your customers. I had someone ring me the other day, and uh, we were doing a deal to sell a car uh, because we wanted to join. I felt God speak to us to give the car and sow it into City Harvest Church and uh, into the building as as a seed for our future when we will one day need a building bigger than what we have. And, uh, and the man rang up and uh, he said, well, I'm doing this to help out a, uh, help out a friend. And uh, he said, the guy's wife's got cancer. I just want to help him out with this car deal. And, and uh, so we negotiated backwards and forwards, settled on a price. And then I d- but I went beyond what, we, what was required. He said, you know, he said, I'd love to meet you. I really appreciate how you've treated us and handled us. And I went the second mile. So he got the car serviced before we sold it to him. Didn't have to. You see, because I represent a king in a kingdom, and I don't serve money. Come on, you've got to think. See, it affects what you do and how you do it. And when we make the handover, I'll tell him, well, you know, I'm a Christian, and what we like to do is represent Jesus well, and I really felt moved to help this person that you're also helping. See, you're a kingdom person. See, the reason church doesn't have impact is not because of enough prayer meetings or whatever. It's because we don't think right and live right the way God wants us to live. See, so wherever we go, we think that way. You want, God wants you to think according to his kingdom, that you're a kingdom. You're a king called to extend a kingdom. I'd love to share. We'll just share a little bit more. Then uh, uh, the main core, what I want to share today, I'll leave for another time. Now, I want you to just, uh, just look with me at this. I want to just look in, uh, in, uh, in John chapter 1 and verse 12. Oh, look, that page has come out of my Bible. I must be ready for another one. In, uh, I want us to just see now how God has positioned us, and then where I want to move is to how we must position ourselves. You see, God has done something to position you for blessing and for him to work through, but we ourselves have to do something. And so it tells us at the cross, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he spoke out these words, It is finished. Well, what is finished? The work of saving people, the work of healing people, delivering people, changing people. You look around, there's a lot of work to be done. No, his part was finished. Legally, as a human being, a representative of man and of God, he legally at the cross finalized a legal agreement whereby man could now have access to God, the power of sin broken, man could be saved, healed, delivered, set free, begin to prosper, brought into a new realm of life. Jesus finished it. So salvation means all these things. To deliver you or rescue out of something you couldn't get out of. It means to heal you totally and completely right through. It means to prosper you or position you so the blessing and life of God can flow. All of those things to be saved. So let me just give you two things. God's purpose is more than just saving us but it's to position us so we can act on his behalf. God did more than just save us so we can go to heaven. His plan is to position you so you can act as his representative. Say it again. God did more than just save you so you can go to heaven. He positioned you so you could act as his representative. Are you a representative of the kingdom of heaven or not?
it's an attitude to life. It's an attitude to life. Let me give you the two scriptures now, two or three scriptures quickly, then I'll close off. And I'll talk about how you position yourself for this to take place. Number one, he has positioned us as children of God. John 1.12, whoever received him, he gave them power to become a child of God, even to them which believed on his name. So the first thing, when Rod received Jesus Christ, when Rod made a personal response to what Jesus did at Calvary, immediately God positions him legally so he now belongs to the family of God. He, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not part of his at all. You belong to another family, the family, family of the devil. But when you receive Christ and become joined to him, Note, it's not a prayer just prayed at front. It's a joining of your life to him and his life. When you do that, you become positioned. You're no longer now a sinner in the world. You're saint, set apart for God. You are a child of God. And with that child of God position, have rights and entitlements. Of course, if you don't stand up and get them, well, that's your business. But you do have privileges. The second thing that he did, when Jesus Christ died on the cross... He died as our representative. We died or our sins have their final penalty there. When he was buried, we were buried with him. When he rose from the dead, we rose with him. Look what it says in Ephesians. Look what it tells us in Ephesians. You got that verse up there? Ephesians should be there. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. Just read what it says. And he put all things under his his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, which fills all in all. In other places in Ephesians, it tells us when Christ was raised into the realm of the heavens to sit on the right hand of God, we were raised with him. He's the head. We are his body. When the head is raised up, the body is also raised. So God positioned you legally in the realm of heaven with entitlements. Now, I want you to see what he calls us to do. Then we'll finish with that. I want you to look with me two other verses. The first one is found in uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. And it goes like this. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You are chosen. Chosen by God. So he's positioned you now. When you came to him, you are a child of God with entitlements as a child, but have to grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. If you don't grow up, you stay a child. You don't get to drive the car. You may want to, but you can't. He won't let you. See what I mean? He wants you to. He's provided for you to, but you've got to grow up into it. So many of the areas of our life, we just got to grow up, grow up, grow up, stop living out of the flesh, learn how to live in the spirit, learn to become mature. Why? So we can access what God has positioned us to receive. You are a what? You are a royal priesthood. When I talk about the royal family, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Have you ever thought you're the royal family? No, I can tell. It's not kind of, it's a head thing, but it's not a heart thing. You are a royal priesthood. In other words, priesthood means you have access to the presence of God, to the blessings of God. You come in as a prayer and intercessor into the presence of God. But as a royal priest, you're part of a royal family, a kingly family. You are actually part of a kingdom, and you are a king in your own right. In a royal family, you know, princes, princesses, all that kind of stuff. You are a royal family. You look around, of course, with the natural eye, you see, oh, look at this person and that person. You know what you pass, you don't know what I know about them. 
I don't care. I know what Jesus says about them. They're royal family. And if we're royal family, we should act like royal family. I mean, not like the <laughs> British royal family. <laughs> we get a lot of corgis then, won't we? No, no, no. I want you to look at the last verse and we'll finish up here. Revelations uh, 5 and verse 10. And this is what it says. You have made us kings and priests unto our God, and we shall reign on earth. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about the family of God, the people of God, grown up to maturity. He said, they say, oh, we give you the glory and the honor because you have made us something. What have you made us? A priest. Every person here is a believer, follower of Jesus Christ, is a priest. Legal access to the present, the throne, the, the blessings of God. And he has made us priests and what? Kings. What are we now? Kings. Well, where's our kingdom? He's called the king of kings. The lord of... Okay then, so who are the kings and who are the lords? See, the people of God are. And where do we reign? On earth. Well, what bit of earth? Where you live. Where you live. Where you live. That's where you're called to reign. That's where you're called to subdue enemy powers and bring the life and the influence of the kingdom of God to bear. You have an area to do this in and you have a different area 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 but everyone are kings with their own sphere of influence. The first place you've got to rule over is where? Me. What do you got to rule over? You got to rule over your thought life. Rule over the images and pictures in your mind. Rule over your body so you don't just become addicted to things. Rule over your values. Rule over your attitudes. Rule over the way you conduct your life. The first one to rule over is yourself. And if you can't rule yourself, you probably won't be able to rule anything much else either. But as you begin, as each of us begin to learn how to arise with the grace of God and rule over our life, what does that mean? It means we're no longer carried around by people and pressures and what the news is saying, and whether it's a cold day and I don't feel like praising the Lord and I don't even want to come to church, I want to stay in bed. It's not being ruled over by circumstances and feelings. It's being led by the Spirit of God. And led by the Spirit of God, you have a kingdom. Young people, you've got a kingdom too. It's time you started to see that. You're a child of God and you have an area to have an influence and bring those, that situation so you change it. If you are working in a business, that's why it's good if you can own your own business because then you can do it much more easily. But even if you're not the owner of the business, you can have a major influence in the business. We have to learn how to position ourselves so this can happen and we have to learn to see what to do. But make this very clear. You're a child of God, a priest of God, and a king with a kingdom to rule over. If your kingdom is a wilderness inhabited by devils, guess who's responsible to do something about it? You are. You are. 
That's why you can't remain a victim because God says, you're a king, I've given you authority. When I went to the cross, everything that needed to be done for you to have power to reign in life was done. You've just got to position yourself and begin to act so you can have it in your life. To those who are given the free gift of righteousness and who learn how to receive the abundance of God's grace, they will definitely reign in life and have an impact through their life wherever they are. And that's what God has in mind. He has in mind, I don't know how many people here, 400 or whatever, how many here it is. Imagine 400 people setting it in their heart. I will rule my life and bring it under the Lordship of Christ in every area of my life, and then I'm going to make my life count for Jesus Christ. So everywhere I am, his kingdom begins to manifest. The supernatural life, the life which is above the natural life, begins to manifest around me. That is what Jesus died on the cross for, for you to do that. You see, most of us think, well, that's, well I'm not an evangelist. We're not talking about evangelists. It's all bigger than that. We're talking about you changing what's around you so you have an influence that changes the community. And God is calling every one of us to understand who we are. Who are you? You're a king. You're part of a royal family. Grow up and position yourself so God can work through you. Learn to do what it takes to position yourself for the blessing of God. In, uh, in Uganda, the simplest thing that John needed to do to position himself for literally thousands of dollars of money to come was to get a computer system set up and organize the accounts so reports could come. By just doing that one thing, positioning himself, he actually unlocked a flow of money. But that required a shift in thinking. And once the shift in thinking was made and he positioned himself, then there comes a flow to him. Now imagine it's the same for you, that God has got all these things that he wants to pour into you and through you, but you must position yourself so you're in a place where you can receive them and release them to others. And that's what we want to talk about in another session. Positioning yourself, positioning yourself for divine purpose. Positioning yourself for a purpose. Father, we just thank you today. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for what you've done through us in Uganda. We thank you, Lord, that we're starting to see results in Uganda. Lives being saved, the kingdom of God extending, little children finding families, people being supported, businesses starting to grow, a property, a, a facility starting to take shape, a vision that we could affect a community and have a difference. But, Lord, we live in this community, and, Lord, we believe we can have an influence in this community. Father, we thank you that you have linked us to yourself. Now, Lord, give us increasing revelation of who we are in Jesus Christ, that we might arise and learn to, to, to bring the kingdom of God forth, even as Jesus did when he walked the face of the earth. Lord, I pray for an increasing revelation of this in the hearts of the whole church, that everyone might look around and see our sphere of influence and begin to declare I'm the pastor in Mahora. I'm the pastor out here in that area of Flaxmere. I'm the pastor over this area of the business community. I have the life of God, and I'm going to bring that life to people. I'm going to learn how to release that life. I'm going to learn how to deal with some of the things I'm struggling with. Learn to get dominion over them. I'm going to position myself so God can work through me. I want to be a channel for the kingdom of God. I'm not content to just be saved and get to heaven. I want to fulfill my purpose, and I'm going to position myself for this to happen.
Father, I just pray for every believer here, Lord, that this might ignite a fire in the heart. Lord, you spoke through your word using a parable that every servant was entrusted talents. Every servant, according to different abilities. And when you came, you were looking what every servant had gained by trading. I pray as a church that every member will begin to rise up and begin to discover how to work with you and what you called us to do and begin to gain by trading. To gain by putting our gifts to work. To gain by bringing the power of heaven into the earth. Help us to understand our authority. Help us to understand how to work with the Holy Ghost. Help us to get in our heart a longing that we could make a difference in our generation. Father, let this church rise up as a great and a strong and a mighty people in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Why don't we stand and give the King of Kings a great clap and a great cheer. Let's honor him today. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we give him all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. May his kingdom come. May his life flow through us into all of the earth. The sound of praise, the sound of joy, the sound of the love of God flowing to touch people. Everyone said amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's rejoice.